Actually, actually, guys, uh, can I just pose you a quick hypothetical? Uh, it may or may not have happened, okay? If let's say you found that I, Dan Wong, prior to the podcast, went to take a piss, and in, you know, imagine like if you are playing a role-playing session, you roll two ones, right? Uh-huh. And then you pee on yourself. <laughs> like, and then I tell you this, like now, and will you like think lesser of me? First of all, I can confirm it happened. <laughs> Because I was wondering where that noise came from and then when I went to investigate, shit, 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 someone was yelling a lot in the toilet. At first I thought the toilet choked, but since you told us about this story, then I know exactly what happened. I'm not touching you ever again then. (laughs) (laughs) You know, then it seems like it happens to you quite a bit. Okay, everyone, welcome to the Long Kang Kitties. It's John Wang, your most handsome DM ever on the face of the planet. <laughs> okay, and then uh, over here we have Dan. Uh, it's me, a citizen Dan. Good the, to see you all again. The PO of pants. And then uh, we have Angie. I uh, would like to be a mother of dragons. Yeah, never gonna happen. And then uh, today we have a special guest with us, uh, Shao Han. Shao Han, please introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Shao Han. I am very happy to be here. I... Mostly GM a lot of games and I design games and I am very glad to be here to deny people their dragons and to <laughs> make people uh, bask in their own handsomeness and to console people when they're peeing in their pants. Here at Longkang Kitties, we are continuing this tradition of bringing the outliers of Singapore. Previously, we had a Tech Yong, a security guard, come writer here. And today, we have got a very very special outlier. Actually, a lot of our audiences do not do not know what a GM is. Can you can you? It's not GM lah, DM lah. A DM is GM. Everybody know what GM lah. Yeah, <laughs> I guess it could go with different things. Um, okay. Hi, my name is Shao again. For, as Dan was saying, I am a GM, a game master. As John was debating, I'm also a DM, a dungeon master. People people come over to sit around tables and they play games where they pretend to be other people and get very invested in the dragons they don't have, even if they had them. Okay, before we continue... I had them. I almost had them. <laughs> before we continue, must okay. set some ground rules. Okay. Shao, you get a maximum of three terrible puns. Three terrible puns, yeah. okay. You get three terrible puns. Okay, is it um, per session or per minute? Per... For today. Oh, perfect. <laughs> 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 he's, he's working That's so with evil. hands tight behind his back. You know, yeah. 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 And I'm then, sure uh, he'll work around it somehow. And then um, every time you make a terrible... Every time you make a pun, uh, the council will decide upon uh, how terrible it is. Will and get then, edited out in post-production? No, that's not editing. <laughs> then, um, oh, here comes Jerry. Always late. <laughs> Jerry, why are you late for the podcast? Uh, uh, account to our audiences use why you mic, are late. Use my mic. I have shit issues. <laughs> Literally <laughs> shit issues. Don't you always? Okay, anyways, I was explaining. It's very scary, you know. Is this why we are the Longkang kitties? Like, someone pees his pants and then, like, another person has shit issues. Hey, this is not confirmed. No, it's confirmed. <laughs> Based on how many times you, you, yes, you gave us hypotheticals about you peeing yourself, I, I assume it's kind of. Then you had shit issues and you missed the whole episode last time, okay? So. That, then, one, was, no, that one was real. That okay? one was confirmed real. This yeah. is real as well. I have shit <laughs> issues. <laughs> Okay, the council will decide whether Shao's puns are terrible or good, and then if it's terrible, we'll deduct one one of the one of the quotas. Mm-hmm. Each, if you exceed the total number of terrible puns, for every terrible pun that you exceed by, I'll punch one of the longkang kiddies at random. Holy oh. fuck! <laughs> <laughs> not sure whether I should win or lose. 
<laughs> so feel free depends to, on how much you like us, shall. Uh, yeah. uh, when when you punch a random, can you punch the same person repeatedly, or is it like like you know, is it a quota? We we'll roll a d six. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's yeah. terrible. We keep running once, we keep punching yeah. the end. Yeah, like, correct. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm not going to punch him in the pants, so you, your dick is safe. Okay, okay. Um, alright, okay. Now that the ground rules have, esta- have been established, Ashao, do you mind if you can summarize in a couple of sentences to our absolutely clueless audiences out there? What? What exactly is role-playing, tabletop role-playing games? Okay, so uh, tabletop role-playing games, I guess, uh, well, it's a game we play around a table. We pretend to be people in a story that we create together and sustain together. And through the process of some rules, we take turns to tell the story and the story evolves, grows over a period of time. And most of the time, these stories can be any genre. It can be fantasy, horror, slice of life pretty much anything that's the people around the table the players and the audience at the same time they, are, they take two roles want it to be mm-hmm. that's pretty much it yeah. and just a quick show of hands around here uh, who here other than Shao of course has played uh, role playing games can be Dungeons and Dragons can be any sort of role playing game uh, I have me me what about you Jerry I have not a big fan but I have okay okay <laughs> Jerry showed up to one of our games and <laughs> okay. you know like tried to show me up it wasn't really much of a choice. It was at my place. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> By default. So, <laughs> so I'm thinking of the typical Singaporean loser who'd be like, huh? You all do what? Sit around the table and pretend, oh, so kinky. Ah. Hey, you all grow up. How, do, how, would you, how would you respond to an individual as such? Oh, I guess uh, because I'm a small business owner who does these things, I will give you a trial session. Uh. You're an evangelist. Yeah, but then uh, I guess I'll also just say like, you know, it's something like being inside your own book or being in your own movie uh, where kind of like instead of you watching what other people have decided is going to happen in the story, you get a chance, uh, many chances to shape what the characters would do inside instead. Exactly. So I think that's exactly. what our market over there is. Exactly. Yeah. And most of us have definitely done this when we were young. We take our He-Man toys and then we'll make him fight the Skeletor. We'll make mm. the story there. And then we'll make them, you know, kiss and make up and things like that. We, we all do this kind of thing when we were young, right? How quick are we to abandon uh, our personal imagination? Uh? Mm. Once we grow up, I guess. Like, what do you think is the allure of this type of games? Like, what is this specifically mm. that draws people in and... Like what you say as well, like to sustain it even further than the first or second session. I think like, um, I mean, this hobby has been going on since a long time. It started like, yes, uh, kind of like the modern iteration of Dungeons and Dragons kind of started in the 60s, 70s. Mostly over in Midwest America where it's like, what do you do? It's hunting country, right? It's camping country. When you're not hunting, not camping, not farming, you sit down at the basement and you do a TV, so you make believe, I guess. But now in 21st century Singapore, I guess a lot of the people I'm seeing are people who are seeking experiences, uh, shared experiences, especially with people who are at some level emotionally close to them, friends. It's like fantasy tourism. Hi, uh, instead of going over to Japan for the holidays, would we like to go to Middle Earth together? Please find out whether we'll be good fantasy adventurers together. So shared flights of fantasy. Mm. For some of the people, it's the chance to meet people or to deepen relations with people they don't really know very much. And I think that this new whole millennial thing of buying experiences rather than buying possessions, role-playing games falls into a subset of that whole push, I think. So like just a little bit of introduction, right? Shao, you also own a... um 
game company where you run uh, game experiences for people, right? Yeah, and a lot of your clients are also um, companies that want you to create like team building exercises for them. Yeah. And uh, using RPG where you can work with your colleagues to, you know, overcome some obstacle and mm. achieve some tasks. Can you tell us a little bit more about that maybe? Okay, so I guess my company, The Curious Cameras, we do a few things and the corporate side is one of those. So I tend to focus on smaller groups of people rather than larger groups. So the largest groups I've done are about 15 to 20 groups of people for a game. But I, but most of the time, customers seem to ask for five to seven groups, uh, groups of five to seven. And what they have is mostly people who are kind of stuck in a particular role. Like I had one group of people who are very focused on people inside the engineering team, people inside the sales team, people inside the management team, and then they're all supposed to be a fantasy group together. It's kind of like, oh no, I am the healer. I'm not supposed to do any damage and the team wipes. Then we look at each other. It's a bit like real life. Like, hi, I'm in the back end. I'm not supposed to do front end stuff. Are you serious? This actually happens uh, in this, real life. This kind of happens in real life because uh, <laughs> I think face is involved. People don't want to lose face when it's out of a specialization. And right. if, they, if they don't do anything, they consolidate their position as not they potentially could have failed but it wasn't on them it's a bit of a cover ass kind of approach uh. it's crazy in a <laughs> fantasy scenario in the middle it, of a dungeon it, when they're under attack by goblins they're like oh this is not my job yeah, uh, this is happens. not my job this is <laughs> out of my pay grade man yeah. <laughs> it, it happens uh, and Fucking the people Singaporeans. Who, <laughs> people tend to do it a lot it's like for example right. majors uh, people who play wizards may never think about attacking somebody with a sword or picking a dagger to stab someone in the face. Mm-hmm. And people who play warriors may never think, like, oh, maybe I can go and find out what I know about this book. People tend to specialize into certain sets and they don't break out of their comfort zones very easily. So a lot of but my they're work not is role, that. They're not role-playing, right? They're not like, have this uh, deep gruff voice in a, like a dwarven accent and say, no, I'm not going to read a book you point no, to. Yeah, it's, not, it's, it's not a character affectation. It's more of a player. Uh, I don't think this is what I'll do. La. So I don't just do, their yeah. crocs, uh, basically. Uh, well, I guess the, like, you know, the more charitable way to look at it would be, uh, I guess because there's totally no context. Like, uh, like you know, their, their division here. Hey, today I set you guys up to sit down and pretend to be elves and dwarves together. Huh? See me see elf. <laughs> they kind of like just like try their best and then sometimes okay. they realize it's not a matter of their own ability but this lack of agility. <laughs> it, it, what's funny is uh, through the years, I mean, I don't play uh, role-playing games uh, but, but I've been observing and I know through the years, the rules have changed so much that, you know, in the past it was really, oh, majors really cannot do physical damage mm-hmm. but now it's so evolved and so... Um, fusion, f- like you know, everything is fused together. A back support player can actually deal some physical damage, mm. and and sometimes tanks can do some magical damage as well. Mm. It's, it's already you know starting to. It's, f- it's a bit of a gonzo. Yeah, universe, it's, yeah, it's already kind of giving you all sorts of things you want to do, but people still get stuck in that role. That you know. Yeah, I, I think yes, it could be media representation. Uh, like you know, guy in ropes is don't stab people with swords unless you're Gandalf. But I, I, I <laughs> all Gandalf do by the way. He casts like he casts like two spells in the whole fucking. <laughs> and the whole fucking show. <laughs> no, but I guess like there is some sort of a romanticism as well. So for example, if I could multi-class and, and I'm a rogue, I might not want to like cast magic spells because I want to mm. get around with my ingenu- ingenuity and you know my agility and all mm. that kind of stuff and actually just be a rogue without being able to help myself with like magic powers, you know, that yeah. sort of thing. I don't know. I, I think in the Shaohan's uh, situation, it's just they, are, they have a lack of creativity and they don't seem to think outside of the box. Uh. It's Which like is- they, they really like just typecast themselves into like one particular area and just like 
well, as long as I don't take any risks, the failure is not on me, then therefore I'm safe. So Xiao, right? Like, um, we've had discussions where you're talking about, like, so, so the group that uh, Xiao DMs for us, we are mostly a creative bunch. Like, a lot of us mm. are in the creative industry. And you were talking about the differences of, like, how we respond to, um, like, the game and game mechanics uh, versus people who are not in the creative industry. So, question to you. Do you find that people who are not in the creative industry get progressively more creative as they play more of the game and, you know, like have to kind of make shit up on the fly and, mm. you know, do is, do a lot of uh, is it improvising? I, I mean, I think it's like a lot of it's like uh, muscles, right? It's like, you know, how much you practice, how much you flex. And game masters, individual game masters and individual rule sets are kind of they set the boundaries and also the kind of set the context for what is acceptable or unacceptable, what is good or what is not so good behavior. So if you have a group of people who are mostly playing with a game master who encourages a certain play style of uh, we need to memorize all the different armor saves on like the unpainted Warhammer miniatures looking at us right now in our houses uh, then why do you look away in fear? Okay, uh, <laughs> but like you know that's how you for example they look at role playing games as being a kind of a Warhammer game or maybe a, basically a battle game maybe a chainmail kind of game right then for them what's most important is actually memorizing the interactions between rules and so they will approach a game almost like a mathematical, mathematical problem it's an equation how do you solve an equation? You have a large data set, you end with a small data set because you have solved the problem. But if I play with people who are more creative, they like to start with a kind of a big data set and generate even more mess and make an even bigger data set. So it's the reverse of solving an equation. It's making more problems, which is actually for me as a game master, fun because it then generates more things I can use to sustain the campaign. But if you're used to people who are playing in a very mission-focused operation, they'll be like, no, no, this mess is irrelevant. I want to go towards there. Mm. And creativity for one group is how do I solve a problem as being creative? Because for them, it's not the why or the what, it's just the how, the methodology. Then for other people, creativity will be like, oh, let's look at all this weird shit we're picking up. And then so sometimes I think it's really like the non-creative industry folks I play with. Sometimes when they kind of sense that they can actually let their hair down a little bit, so as to speak, they kind of do the weirder stuff I've seen. (laughs) Especially Especially if they have craft knowledge, like, like for mm. example, uh, yesterday I was playing this game last night, right? Like so, then they disguised themselves as dark elves. They were trying to infiltrate a dark elf area, and this guy was very angry because his food delivery guy didn't show up. So <laughs> he disguised himself as a dark elf delivery guy and knocked <laughs> on the door and said, "Hello, uh, did anyone order anything?" Then later people looked at him a bit confused. and said. It's been paid for, and that's how they infiltrate. <laughs> so he used his real life frustration of his delivery of hearing and his dreams of a paid meal into the D and D game. I was like, okay, that's kind of that's kind of like oh, now when he let himself be chaotic, it was quite amusing. I, awesome. I think yeah, I think even dark elves would, would be less likely to turn down a free meal. I think so. Mm-hmm. The Especially if it's brought, been brought, delivered right to your doorstep, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. For yeah. those people who are also a little bit confused right now, in most of these uh, role playing games, right, there's some sort of abstraction going on where it's not it's not so much that just because you want to do something, therefore it happens. Sometimes you need to roll a dice yeah. or roll several dices in order to determine whether you succeed or fail. Yeah. Right, and then as part of uh, part of the part of the role of the DM is also to account for unexpected failures and unexpected success. <laughs> right, it's like oh, there's two guards coming; they are going to spot us. I'm going to transform myself into a tree, and then the the dungeon master say, "Well, you're in the middle of an open field." Uh, no, I'm going to transform myself into a tree anyway. And then uh, the the guards appear. Hey, has this tree always been here? And then the tree responds, "Yes, I have." <laughs> 
and then uh, you you, tree. you you have to roll a dice, and then you actually succeed in persuading the guards as a tree, and then the tree and the guards was just like, yeah, I know. I yeah, guess you were I, just branching out. Yeah. yeah, this tree knows better than us. That was the first pun. Did you catch that? <laughs> yeah. Was well, it good? What do you say? <laughs> it was, br- she was just branching out. Okay, I'll accept that. I think, okay. That I'll, one's not bad. Yeah, not bad. Okay. okay. No, no one's getting punched, so you still have tree. Yeah. You still yeah. have tree. Tree. Yeah. yeah. No. <laughs> Is that how I Yes. Okay. <laughs> do you get to punch you, John, if you <laughs> make a pun? You can try a our punch bag. Yeah. I guess a uh, high advantage for punching, right? Yeah. <laughs> like the longer fist. The abstraction of it also takes into account, right? And then, like I said, part of your job, part of your creativity is to, well, what do I do when people succeed or fail in unexpected areas? Yeah, it's a bit of like judging and facilitating uh, what the numbers mean. Uh, different games have different resolution mechanics. Some use cards, some use dice, some use Jenga. It's a horror game that uses Jenga. So mm. you're trying to run away from a monster, you use the Jenga, if the thing fall, I guess the monster catches you. Uh. Ah, <laughs> yeah, I so see, I see, I see, uh, all those things are abstractions, as John mentioned. And when playing a game, you can, it's a bit matrixy, uh, but it's like you can either deal with the code, which is the abstractions, or you can deal with what the abstractions are trying to do, which is the associated fiction the feeling, the realm of uh, story around the mechanics. Uh. So different people may have different preferences mm. for uh, which side they want to interface with more. Basically. Okay, okay. Yeah. yeah. For, for example, do you see your job as, as one, as a mere facilitator where, uh, you know, you, you give these creative um, um, circumstances for people to, to flourish and to enjoy and, and you execute the rules as it is. And then if they die, if, if their roles are terrible, you know, the math decreased that they die, then you just kill them off. Or do you, or, you know, my job as a DM is to entertain people and it doesn't matter. Huh? Entertainer with death. Okay. With death. <laughs> Edgy as a PTSD look right now. <laughs> what is the difference between you and my computer at home? That's a, okay. You know, yeah. um, there's a few different, I guess, traditions when it comes to this role playing games. There's one which is the very Ivan Drago and Rocky. He, he dies, he dies. You know, like, <laughs> like so. Then um, there's like a. I, I tend towards the letting the dice fall as they will and uh, seeing what comes out of that. Uh, but I like to take a failure forward method. Uh, in today's role-playing games, a lot of things are like, yeah, you fail, but so what happens? And your character gets progressively more messed up. They'll lose more control of the situation. But it's a little bit like watching those TV shows, and I say a Peaky Blinders or whatever, when somebody loses control and they kind of go on a downward spiral and they explode, right? Uh, it's a little bit like that. So I see my job as to maybe sustain people's flights of fancy and a little bit of like, a, a lot of it is continuity. It's like, uh, especially when dealing with people who are very creative, like uh, like Angie's group of friends, right? A lot of my work is to actually, I have to pretend that what they are seeing in front of them is real, even though they don't believe in it themselves. So in part of it, it's a little bit like I have to uh, believe in an imaginary and hold on to their belief so that other people can anchor onto it or drop off it wherever they want to. So it's how to create a very focused intimate shared hallucination uh, I guess mm-hmm. yeah, that, that, I think that's a lot of the work that's required because uh, that transitional zone between hi we're sitting now at the table eating snacks to we are now fighting against a monster that's setting fire to the room to hey I think we need a break because it's a bit intense let's take a toilet break like all these things a lot of them are like being a classroom teacher is like hi I think this is the flow state I think it's too intense let's take a break it's like I sense myself dropping hats of creative to facilitator creative facilitator quite a lot And how often do real life issues uh, seep into your role playing games? For example, I'm talking about things like like actual death, war, sex, rape, 
power. I know that Angie's group tends to focus a lot on finances. She keeps on telling me about about rent and property and yeah. how often does it seep into. So I mean like about well, rent and property first is like um, I, there was this post by the guy who made D&D a long time ago Gary Gagex on how if you give your know, players a lot of treasure you must have someone to take them away so they keep tre- uh, adventuring la. and so his form was taxes and tariffs and, and that's why rent is such a big deal to keep them in the rat race <laughs> of the leveling rat race but back to like death and everything it's like yeah I think that happens quite a lot because it's a big political issue right now especially in the states I think where a lot of role playing games are made you have people who are saying, when I play games, I don't want to deal with any of these things. I don't want to deal with any politics because I am actually just playing a game. And the people who just say that, they tend to be concentrated, usually white, male, and uh, in the Midwest, right? Then the people who are usually, the woke crowd will be like, hey, you know, uh, we want to use games to talk about sexuality, to talk about gender and stuff. So you do have different people looking, seeing different things in the game. So myself, I tend to focus a lot on power hierarchies and unequal relations because a lot of fantasy games are about feudalism right and then that's as unequal as you can get and so they just kind of seep into the games that I do not really as points to be made but simply as facets of the setting for people to approach or ignore as they wish yeah sometimes for example you see people who in real life are very woke for example in games they are like I'm going to exploit this evil power structure to make money for myself. <laughs> then you have the other way around. People who are like, I'm very much an abuser of power structures in real life, but in the game, I want to wash away my sin in some way and try to be a good guy. Uh, so in some ways, I feel like a priest sometimes. <laughs> I feel like a priest holding a confession move. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. How do you feel about elf privilege? Oh, There's this game that I, would, that I really want to play called Spire. Yes, this is a shout out. But it's about elf privilege, basically. <laughs> oh it's a game goodness. where you play dark elves uh-huh. who have been who lost a war. The high elves won the war, and now you're living in ghettos. There's laws that are about falsehoods online and offline, uh, which allow the high elves to persecute any dark elves that they want anytime. So you already this guilty. sounds strangely familiar. <laughs> and then the dark elf gods <laughs> want you to fight the high elves, so the dark elf gods are not nice as well. So I played it once, and it was truly fucked up. <laughs> Okay. It was quite fun. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. okay. okay, so maybe like we move away a little bit about the games and and stuff and talk about your life as a professional DM because okay. you're one of the very few uh, professional DMs in Singapore, right? Where people... I think in the world, basically. I, I've never actually heard of um, people who do this for a living. There are people who do this for yeah. a living in the yeah. States and um, elsewhere, but it's not a big number of people yeah. who actually can convince strangers to pay you money to to like conduct a fantasy session for them like yeah it's a it's a, I it's mean, a skill set that i never thought i'll have to develop yeah uh, like and um when i first got to know you when you first dm'd our first game you were still not a professional dm yeah, yet I was just like so yeah, like we kind games. of watched you through your journey as a pro right um so maybe can can you tell us just a little bit about this this whole journey that you've been on and okay How's it been, you know, setting up business and trying to get, like, a regular steady stream? Okay. Uh, I guess I'll start with two... I mean, uh, there's two different aspects to this. One aspect will be, I guess, generally, why it's so hard to do paid DMing as a gig, I think. I think culturally, there's a lot of, uh, how do I say, disdain about uh, paid GMing. Like, you see people... It, it creates a huge frenzy online. If you go to D&D support groups or RP support groups, someone's saying, I'm a DM and I would like to ask for some money to help me uh, sponsor the books and stuff what do you think and you get a lot of people usually saying that no I've GM for my whole life I've never accepted any payment why should you and there's a hidden subtext of are you saying you're better than me 
are you saying that you're better than me that you can get money for what i do for free so but there's also a little bit of employment privilege speaking because it's like if one person can cook very well for at home he doesn't go to a restaurant and say hey you guys suck for for making money off food i cook for my family all the time so it's a bit of a false uh, comparison sometimes so i think that's why you find so few people trying to do it because i think it's very embarrassing the culture of gming is like you just do it because it's your passion things like that so it's a lot of emotion labor for free <laughs> the second thing about gming is that there's a certain power balance between players and gms which sometimes gets overlooked so that the gm can continue doing things for free uh, i'm sorry i shall rephrase that and try to put out what it means is that sometimes gms become a bit of power freaks in exchange for not charging for the game does that make sense mm-hmm. yeah so basically you have a guy who sits down he beca- basically becomes an alpha geek maybe this girl becomes the queen nerd in the group for example and everybody has to like their aesthetics so maybe this guy really likes Roger Zelazeny, likes like you know the Chronicles of Amber, and says, "All of you, I'm going to run a game based on this, and you must read these books." So it's very um, subculturally, basically. It becomes like you know, hey, I'm doing this for you for free, so yeah. why the hell are you complaining? Yeah, uh, it doesn't just happen in RPG groups, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> right. It happens in nearly any subculture we can see, right? I remember like the first time we asked you to charge us. For money, you were like a very little reluctant. bit. Yeah, you were very reluctant. And then when you finally charged us the amount, we all of us um and and most of us were are actually freelancers. So you're like, dude, man, this is this is too fucking cheap. And you're like, oh, uh, oh, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, because I um, I, yeah, because and and our rationale to you is that you spent uh maybe four or five hours and like you know drawing from your expertise all all the history and the knowledge and the books that you've read to entertain all of us and we're paying you less than the price of one movie ticket you know and a movie is maybe like 90 minutes i think that's one thing that was really interesting for me to mm. to to see like, that that um, people are willing to spend so much time creating these experiences for people for free like or like for very very little money Share with us Are there instances In your entire DMing uh, life You know Or whether professional Or otherwise Where things got Really uncomfortable Maybe a fight Was about to break out Maybe a oh, player okay. Was behaving Uncomfortably Towards another player Okay You okay. know or, or even made you Feel uncomfortable Maybe as you are Talking about that Then he, you feel You feel a pressure On your thigh Okay <laughs> That kind of thing yeah, yeah I have to touch my <laughs> I guess it's a bit like firstly it's a bit like antivirus. It's like you no know, antivirus doesn't help you against a guy who really wants to take down a computer by filter seventy percent of crap away, right? So same thing with player base. It's like uh, you a lot of the problems that will arise at the table happen are uh, dealt with before the game happens simply because sort of like you hear repetitions about certain players and while it's not good I don't believe in gatekeeping people from like uh, hey uh, you shouldn't play because uh, I heard your asshole I don't like the whole whispering campaign approach but there are people who have observed doing rather nasty stuff uh, in game usually to NPCs that's still alright non-player characters because those are imaginaries right but it just makes me feel uncomfortable to see people doing generally not very decent stuff to people who can't fight back but I guess it for me it crosses the line when other players feel unhappy as a result of a particular player section because then the power balance has shifted. And a lot of times, uh, as a game master, the job is not just to run the game but also to, like, teacher, how do you deal with this weird social situation in front? Some of the game masters I play with don't want to deal with this. They just hunker back to their books, perhaps maybe more avoidant. It's a bit like the teacher who continues droning on in class when there's a fight happening. You know, like, you're just like, I want to get my thing over and done with. I didn't come here. I didn't sign up to basically be 
interventionist. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the weirdest one I've seen that I personally felt with was a guy who was very uh, insistent on him not being in a game. I, so it was <laughs> like, uh, because, you know, I mean, there's this genre of anime, right? Like, you know, like the where you are a person who has entered a, fa- a fictional universe. And so there's a degree of emotional avoidance allows you to, I am in the world, but not in the world. That whole isekai thing, right? So you're powerful, but you because you know you're real, other people are just bits of data the weirdest thing is that this guy was doing really strange stuff and telling himself more than others how the stuff didn't matter because it was all a game and then I'm just like uh, sitting very awkwardly like uh, how do I do with this yeah, yeah. Yeah. he's spoiling the experience for everybody. everybody else wants to believe they're in a game yeah, but so he's like he, uh, guys this is not real it's a subtle power play as well so if we were to get RP like John just now like I'm a graph dwarf then he's like huh you guys are not real that kind of thing so it's a, and, and this and this gentleman was very young I think in his early 20s or something and uh, I think this is his way of like I'm better than all of you in some way so for me when I see it I don't need really to deal with it because I'm not a GM I'm just playing but I would prefer if I was GMing and the case that that happened I'll probably talk to the fellow out of game and say that implicitly your character is shitting on everyone else's even before you've done anything so maybe consider not doing that but you see that's a that's a bit of a bomb <laughs> bomb to defuse basically it's the sort of players are like the people in a magic show who is like ah it's fake ah you yeah, know yeah, yeah, I know yeah, how yeah, the trick yeah. works ah you know it's, a, it's a, the crowd that wants to believe they are, yeah. they are, they are, they are, they are intelligent and then everybody else is like can you shut up yeah, yeah. It, it's like everyone knows it's fake we're just trying to make believe right yeah I didn't pay 50 bucks to hear you tell me like this shit is not real yeah so that, that's, that's the weirdest kind because essentially it's a person whose fantasy is to tell people that fantasy doesn't exist so, <laughs> so it's like you know it's very frustrated <laughs> the feelings are very a lot of chokage <laughs> so. okay, imagine right now right we are all in a role playing session uh, John is a gruff blacksmith dwarf John are you always gruff? <laughs> <laughs> and, always. Uh, always. and uh, Angie you're, you're a rogue character right? and then uh, Jerry is a 300 year old druid and then I'm like Dengar the barbarian Dengar and then we are at a tavern okay okay and I do something that I don't never do in real life. The waitress walks by and I grab her butt. I grab her boob. And I'm okay. like, Hey, pretty! And then I, I smack her on the butt. You know, that kind of thing. Uh-huh. And then uh, uh, make you and everybody else at this table feel uncomfortable. I, I guess like, actually when you're saying that, I guess like five to six different things open up in my <laughs> mind. You see? Which is why, uh, like in game mastering work, there's a lot of random tables. Like, okay. roll a d6 to see what happens. Because firstly, that takes away the responsibility from you. And secondly, it allows you to go into areas that your mind will never go into. Exactly. So therefore, exactly. it frees you from cliche, right? Exactly. So for example, if you grab somebody's, uh, like, you know, if you handle somebody's behind in an unconsented way, right? Yes. Uh, uncalled for manner. Could be, for example, a prosthetic and it falls off. And then now <laughs> people have body image issues and, and, and then you will feel, and, and then people shame you for, for making fun of their favorite tavern okay, uh, worker. <laughs> and then so it's a bit of a, but that's a bit improv energy. It's like, you know, right, you, uh, right, right. the scene, the situation comedy changes so fast, they will respond. So I may do that with some groups, but I don't want to do that with others because then the core meaning becomes, hi, it's okay to do problematic behavior because it's all a joke. Anyway, ha 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 ha. And that may not be. Especially among younger, more impressionable players, I may not want to do that. Right. So, yeah. <clears throat> if I was the GM of that group, I'm just going to be like, you know what? There's a level 300 paladin. Ah, you see, and then right that's, there, that's another approach. Right, yeah. there in the, right there in the tavern, and then he just like just chops your hand off. Like, <laughs> it's, a, 
Yeah, Fuck you, very, 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 eye for an eye. Yeah, John, you are, you are putting your, your morals, I mean, you are, I'm, in, into the game as a GM, but for you, you, you have to, because we are your clients, so to speak, you have to uh, very quickly and creatively change the energy of the situation. Yeah, so that, Yeah, like what you did just now, oh, you know, uh, the prosthetic falls off, then the, the wench is actually a, a dude, and he's like, ah, oh, you, yeah. you touched my, my butt, and it came yeah. off, and everybody laughs, everybody has a good time. Or you it know. could, like, you know, it really depends on the energy at right. hand, and it also depends on me not boring myself because if I do this four times a week right if I was to put myself so strongly into it then I will run out of stamina so when I do things that are counterintuitive to me it keeps the game surprising to me which means I have the energy to run the next session immediately after that as well so uh, it's a lot like I guess again like teaching don't make it personal like you know like the kid the kid is doing something weird in class you're just like ha ha <laughs> you're just like oh yeah uh, show me the other one <laughs> like, you know you don't you don't let the kids drag you down to the level right? I think the other thing is also a lot of times if, if we're talking about teaching the kids are usually looking for like reaction mm. and the bigger you react like the, the larger your reaction the more they want to push you yeah. so I guess in a sense like as a GM probably it's the same way as well like, if you yeah, don't treat yeah. it like you, you as a big fucking deal right, right? Yeah. like then the player probably wouldn't push you as much in like other circumstances so well. Shah let me ask you uh, how do you deal with uh, players who slap essential NPCs to <laughs> death twice I think uh, <laughs> I think I think <clears throat> So to yeah. give you to give the audience some context, um, <laughs> Shaohan, Angie, and I are I'm the key, I'm the DM for one of our games, Dungeon Keeper. Yeah, and then um, there's this very important NPC that I wanted the group <laughs> to interrogate, and then uh, Angie slapped the fucker to death. First time, everyone worked together to resuscitate him. Okay, after with some incredibly lucky rolls, went unconscious, woke up. Insulted Angie again. S- Angie slapped the fucker again. Dead for real this time. <laughs> and then I'm just like, okay, I'm, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna pull, um, a MacGuffin out of my ass. Like, this is a Deus Ex Machina situation where the hand of God needs to step in and align this guy's spine back to normalcy and whatever. Just so that you guys can have, like, <laughs> like, like, like they right? can progress the story. How do you do with that, Shao? <laughs> I guess I guess there's three three kind of like major fucking paths you can see. One is uh knowing the rest of the game of where we're going. Uh, one we could have promoted Angie to be a greater cultist <laughs> who has the power of life and death over the junior cultist. The game could have gone very weirdly and maybe we shouldn't indulge Angie in this kind of things. Yeah. <laughs> that like this is the rewarding bad behavior shit yeah. that you're talking yeah, about. Yeah. Yeah. I like this idea. <laughs> Just for context, one of the games, actually the only game I played with Angie, she ran around doing her own thing, kicked up a bunch of hornet's nest, and then everyone tries to save her. Then my character was almost dead because of like, you know. I think, I think this is actually something more about Angie than yeah, anything. I, yeah, I, 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 I realize you are really not a team player. You are yeah, really yeah. not a team player. Yeah, she's an asshole, man. <laughs> I guess I This is not news to any of you, come on. That's what are you doing, Angie? Let them huh? die. What are you doing, Angie? <laughs> I'm just a shit stirrer, la. You know, you just, you just want to see how far you can go sometimes with things and <laughs> slur, like before slur, slur. every before everything falls apart and your body falls apart and hopefully someone's there to pet you up. <laughs> yeah, I think, I, I think for some people there's a certain like almost a Dionysian drive, right? To see themselves explode. <laughs> like, yeah, how far like, can I push this, right? Yeah, yeah, because like in real life, I think I'm a pretty safe person. Kind of. Yeah, so like, like in, in game, I can do all the stupid shit I want. Because I, I feel like in real life, I'm very bound by how, how I need to be a certain way or... Yeah, it's like, it's like when Angie was know. playing at SDGCC last year, she played a paladin. Well, like everyone laughed at her. 
哈 ，NG Paladin 捡到了。<笑><笑><笑> you, you remember that? Yeah, I remember this one. Like everybody's like, huh? You you sure you want to play Paladin? You sure like, you play Paladin or not? You, you sure you know what's a Paladin or not? I'm like, I know what's a Paladin. All right, <laughs> I chose to play a Paladin. All right. Yeah, yeah, but then like some, of, I guess that's why there's all chaos majors and wow, wow sorcerers and weird cultists. I think like um, that's pretty much the market for NG. There, there, there are tropes yeah. like that. Qi Gong is is is, is the, exactly the mad the saints, trope, yeah. right? Yeah. And to answer John's question, I would sometimes just <laughs> let them die. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know what? Uh, hey, you know you when you were in my game, you noticed that I'm actually a very foggy. I know, I know. Yeah. It's like, it's like I punch people and then they they yeah. let me go. <laughs> and then the uh, you notice I also try to keep my players alive. Yeah, I know. When NG try to hug the flailing dimensional uh, monster. <laughs> hey, they won't have. I had okay. Wait uh. And then, and then, I was just like, okay, NG, you're gonna die now, like. For sure, you're gonna die. Like, there's no like, so and then I roll like shit. <laughs> this dimensional monsters, by the way, I rolled uh to roll. I rolled to hit ten times with that monster throughout the throughout the whole game, throughout the session, not a single hit. Yeah. And then that one final attack that NG was supposed to die failed to hit. And then I was like, <laughs> "You guys are fucking lucky as shit." Yeah. Like, okay, <laughs> in my defense, okay, Shao convinced me to hug the fucking monster. <laughs> yeah, but you see. It's like maybe at some level you already wanted to hug the monster. True that. <laughs> no, like on some, I didn't I want just, to hug the monster. I just, I just wanted to see what would happen if I just, you actually uh, bringing out your potential to hug monsters. <laughs> Thanks, Xiao. Thanks. It was yeah. all my inner chaos brought to brought yeah. to the surface. Yeah. <laughs> you hear some more in this exact room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In this exact yeah, room. In this room. Yeah. But so, yeah. yeah, like... Uh, but I'm also very lucky to have, like, very nice <laughs> teammates friends <laughs> and teammates who, who save my ass, lah. We indulge you. Yeah, reward your bad behavior exactly. with life. So <laughs> technically, it's not my fault. <laughs> technically, it's your fault. I was all, I was yeah. all your side until the last part. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, let's talk right now. It's not my fault. I'm like, huh, buddy? <laughs> yeah. 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 I think. Sorry. I think on, on like some level, probably they like they they like watching me doing this to be kind. They, they right? do. They talk about you getting in trouble a lot. <laughs> but at least we have something to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> Stories to share about Angie. Yeah. Right. It's like a bit like the huh? Did she do that again? <laughs> Back at her face. I can't believe she did that again. <laughs> yeah. Like in the game I'm running for them, uh she has lost her legs and they got replaced by animal hooves and she has a serpent's tongue and she is a noble woman who doesn't want to be married out and she's very happy when she got burned in the fire because she's like, <laughs> yeah, so her priorities are very different. Then she got the then she she joined a beast cult of chaos. And then she became a beast man. And then the other beast man, uh, this is very Warhammer-y. And then she became a beast countess. And she will now go back to her father's empire and try to subvert the chaos. And she is still the main character. Help! Help! Says the DM, I'm a captive. <laughs> I don't know what's happening. May the emperor preserve us. Okay? I don't know what's happening either. <laughs> Shao, yeah. it is tradition in uh, the Longkang Kitties podcast that yeah. you know we have we give each other hypotheticals. But seeing you oh. as the true master of hypotheticals uh-huh. among us, would you indulge us in a short yeah Shao's magical moments in a short uh, hypothetical role playing session? A hypothetical role playing situation. Okay, got it. So uh, I guess like we are now currently inside this uh, all butter shortbread fingers. <laughs> So we have been miniaturized kind of like Ant-Man and the Warps, right? Okay, okay. okay and okay. we are inside the holes of this, one of these fingers. Uh, right? Are we okay, all in the okay. same hole? 
Uh, we are in different holes because we're not okay. that small. Yeah. Thank goodness. Uh, yeah. okay. So, but then you know, it's a rather holistic experience. So, pass. This one is okay. Yeah, this one is okay. Okay, okay, okay. I'm yeah. like, hey guys, can can you hear me? It's dark in here. It smells like butter. Yeah, and then like you know, your voice echoes through the buttery heavens. Hello, Angie. Is, is that you? What's going on? Why? Why am I like? Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> And then throughout this, uh, Jerry, you 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 sense to your fear that there's a lot of lactose, there's a lot of milk in this place. <laughs> oh man, I'm gonna fucking poop so much, so much, so much, so much. <laughs> hey guys, what why 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 is there echoes in uh, in butter cookies? I don't understand this. I don't understand this. Why are there echoes in butter cookies? I don't get this. Excuse me, could you please stay silent? We're trying to read here. You oh. notice that there's a small uh, uh, yellow rope creature. With a snail face, uh, reading some books in another hole. So yes, oh. new here. Uh, uh, yeah. Um, uh, how do I get out of this place? You, you don't get out of this place. You know, you it's a hole. You go into the hole. Shit, man, this is horror. I I try to like claw my way out of the. Does he look edible? Hole. The snail creature, is it? Yeah. He. There's a lot of butter nearby. Butter and snails do a traditional combination. <laughs> John, no, don't I do kinda, it. I, please. I'm feeling kind of package and I've been thinking, you know what, I've been eating these butter cookies all my life. Now, I, only now I realise I've been consuming these snails, snail-like creature. I'm just thinking to myself, can I just consume it now? <laughs> hey, peace, motherfucker. The <laughs> <laughs> snail holds up his rubbery fingers. Rubbery <laughs> <laughs> fingers. I'm asking from my hole, Hey, where got all Um, uh, sis. Remember, everywhere is a toilet, my child. Says the snail monk. And then he asks you to make an intelligence check. <laughs> we will just play scissors, paper, stone for now because okay, we don't ahead, have dice. Let's go. Okay. One, two, three. You succeed. And in front of you, a fully functional toilet appears with flush and as well as a bidet. This is like some magical butter cookie dimension where all your wishes can be you know, can come true. I I appeal to the deity of the un of the butter universe. Please give me my heart's desire. A perfectly proportioned butter rubber sex doll. All right. Now we're on the basis of your stone. Now. Okay. Resolve. Can okay. can. All right. One, one two, two three. three. All right. And you try. What what is your idea of perfection? Uh, a young butter acolyte. Uh, I I I'm thinking of like a Jeanette shaped butter cookie uh, sex doll okay that is self-cleansing okay what's this this humanoid figure of glutinous delight appears before you <laughs> undulating through the sea of butter okay. breaking crumbs uh, breaking crumbs away as he goes through the cabin <laughs> and says to you in a smooth voice dripping in oil then I'm here oh. <laughs> I, I'm yours I'm yours butter cookie Jeanette oh, and I, I proceed to fornicate with her and it consume a, her it is at this point that I jump on Jeanette all and start biting her neck <laughs> hey, she's fine she's, how dare you it seems that you have not yet given up your attachment to material possessors says the snail bodhisattva <laughs> it turns you to the hole <laughs> sorry I'm taking a shit guys uh, it is the best toilet you've ever had because enlightenment is about getting rid of your shit so. but you don't have toilet paper no, I'm never, I'm never touching you. It's a bidet. It's a bidet. Yeah, <laughs> I, I see this as a dimension of like sex and eating and indulgence, and then you are next to me, in the hole next to me, shitting. Yeah, here's the you best toilet. You're, you're spoiling. <laughs> but it's all the base pleasures of life, you know. Like, you, have you ever taken a really good shit? Oh yes, yes, yes. yes. It's almost sexual, right? 
it's quite pleasing. Yeah, yeah it's quite yeah. pleasing. It's like, you know, the Vegas, I believe. The Vegas nerve, right? That's what mm-hmm. they call it. Yeah. So, yeah, that's like a weird improv things, but that's the kind of <laughs> stuff I tend to do there. Okay. So, somewhat psychedelic. Like, what the hell a are we doing? A bunch of degenerates. <laughs> <laughs> Very much a bunch of degenerates. Hey, you wanted to eat a snail rubber thing. I mean, you are a degenerate too. Yeah, I didn't imagine the Jeanette all sex toy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that was got really you fucked wanted, up then. John, you wanted to eat a sentient being who's reading. It's a sentient being and you wanted to take its life to f- to fill your, your tummy. Yeah. Okay, excellent. I think, Shao, you have convinced me that me and my friend should possibly hire you to help us DM. If Thanks, we're, we're, we're great at parties. <laughs> I definitely, definitely recommend Shao. Okay. Yeah. Shao, tell us if, let's say, uh, there are fellow listeners out there who are like, hmm, this thing sounds interesting. Maybe me or my group of my friends or me, me and somebody in my company would like to engage the curious chimeras. How, how can I go about doing this? We have a website. We also have a Facebook page. You can just drop us a direct message there. It'll be usually me or my business partner, my, the co-founder, there's two of us uh, who will be addressing those uh, inquiries and whether it's something more sedate and more pointed more focused we can do that if it's something more chaotic and more a bunch of degenerates we can also arrange that okay and uh, but we also kind of make our own games so we produce games as well and make games so currently we are also trying to get a product out by the end of this year so we're trying to get a few products out as well a few game products some of them more casual play for example things that you may see in bookshops the you know like the $15 $20 section of like storytelling cubes those Rory cube style and more role playing games which is more suited for degenerate behaviour yeah <laughs> Okay, yeah. that's, that's excellent. Okay, yeah. so ladies and gentlemen, please please uh, go to the Curious Chimeras and uh, if you have any role-playing needs, it's going to be really fun. To end yeah. this podcast session, we're going to turn the tables on you, okay? So I'll tell you what's going to happen, okay? okay. So right now, uh, me, Jerry, Angie, and John, we will each give you one sentence in a hypothetical and at the end, you must tell us what you're going to do in this particular situation. Okay, okay, I like okay? Yeah. So how about, let's this, I, I'll go first, followed by Jerry, Angie, and then John, you deliver the coup de gras. Right, and then you decide what you will do in this situation. Okay, so no need to justify. Just tell us what you will okay. do. Okay. Right. Okay. Okay. You know, just follow my lead. Follow my lead. Okay. <laughs> I'll say sentence. I'll, I'll say phrase number one. Okay. It is a dark and stormy night, and you are GMing for a group of corporate yuppies. You are GMing for them, and then suddenly the room smells really terrible. Somebody must have farted, and just at that moment when you are recoiling in disgust, you feel a, a pair of hairy man hands caressing your shoulders. So these hairy man hands start caressing your shoulders, right? And you realize that the, this terrible smell is actually coming from these terrible, these hairy man hands. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the weirdest thing is, no one seems to have smelt anything or seen the hands that are currently caressing your shoulders. <laughs> and while you're having this moment where you're trying to process what's going on, you realize these hands are going lower and lower. <laughs> And lower Ooh. to a point <laughs> where you're really uncomfortable and you squirm in your seat. And one of the corporate fat cat turns to you and say, Hey, Xiao, what's wrong? You look a bit weird. You look up and you see Jeanette Owl caressing you. <laughs> with, with hairy man hands. With her hairy man hands. <laughs> and then uh, you turn to the corporate fat cat and say, Can't you see... Harry man, Jeanette Owl caressing me. Then I then I, I I look at them and their eyes betray that they do not see what I see. They do not feel what I feel. But few people do, except perhaps then. 
<laughs> and so I remember, oh, it's today. And I look up and it is actually Friday the 13th. It is a strange date when weird things happen. And I take out my name card and I give it to Harry Manhans Janet Lau. And I say, no, you've got the wrong place. <laughs> I was just, uh, I'm not slated for a manual Janet Lau Manhans pee cleaning service. You must have wanted the citizen Dan instead. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. Yeah. But I'm not one to turn down free things like delivery, <laughs> delivery dark elves. So I guess I let her continue so that she doesn't feel like it was a wasted trip. Then I give her five stars. Okay, okay. okay. I, I, I too would fornicate with Jeanette or man hands. I, I can, I can look over the man hands, no problem. What if she's giving you a hand job and then you're like, I'll just look at her face. It's fine. I'll just not, not. And like all the, all the hair is just. I'll just. Pretend it away. <laughs> I can Pretend do it away. Yeah. Just GM it away. <laughs> In post-production. Sean, <laughs> <laughs> it was an absolute pleasure to have you on board the Lungkang Kitties for this episode. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thanks, Shao. Yeah, thanks, Shao. Yeah. <laughs> you shall be back. Uh, thank you very much for having me. I, I'm glad I didn't use up my quota of three puns. Yeah, and uh, I'm thankful to be invited here this morning to uh, have fun with everybody in this mm. podcast. It's my first time on a podcast. I'm very glad to be invited. Thank you. So um, we'll we'll put the links to uh, Xiao's uh, page cameras. and the Curious Chimeras in our description box below. So if you guys really uh, want to go for an experience with Xiao, which I highly recommend, um, please just click on it. All thank right, you very cool. much. Thank you. Okay. Thanks. Bye. Bye.